0: Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris and I am Jake. A fun episode for you guys today. That's we right. Have, uh a spy photographer. Noted um, automotive spy photographer, Brenda Pretty. Yes, this is awesome. I mean, this is a, I still imagine, and I know I bring this <laughs> up a lot during the episode, I imagine dressing all in black and taking my 7200, all the lenses that are uh, the ultrasonic long zoom lenses for Canon are white. Yeah. I imagine like taking them all apart and having them like, Plated black, yeah, or anodized or d- black. Or you or had like, like
1: you know with like a uh, rifle sound suppressors, silencers. They have like the little like sleeves for them. You could have some sort of sleeve on it that's you camouflaged. Could
0: do that. You could put the cameras in silent mode where it uh it lifts the shutter up. The camera shoots a little bit more slowly. Oh, but it lifts so you the don't mirror have the click because the the sound you hear like, when yep. you hear is the mirror oh, going up and down. And then it, there's like a little uh there's a little curtain behind that that exposes the sure. the sensor. It moves that a little bit more slowly, so it's more. So it's a little brighter. <laughs> I imagine that's the mode that we're shooting in at all times. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to hear from her. Yeah, and Brenda. Hear some of her stories.
1: Uh, yeah, she has a lot of interesting stories. She's earned a reputation as one of the world's top automotive spy photographers. So that's a good. Title. Very cool. Before we get into it, though, let's talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly subscription service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast, the car guy in all of us, because each month they select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, all the latest and greatest in the industry, and they send them right to your doorstep every single month. Now, there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. These would be great Christmas gifts for
0: those car guys in your life or gals, of course. And yeah, because Jess always, my wife steals something out of the box every week. Does she really? Every month, rather, she takes something. This last this month, it was the flask. Oh, I As I like said, the flask. she took the flask. I don't, I don't even know where it went. It's probably. You know, in her nightside dresser, or, or, or <laughs> that's her getting through. Chris, yeah. little uh, medicine. Yeah, exactly. Let you th- so check these you guys don't out. Need medicine to deal with me? It's oh, not sure, that it just bad. does. Do you medicate when you leave the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you, just just your, you just get in just, your pre-medicate. I'm drunk here every day, Chris. I, do you get in your bacon? And uh, the and bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I typed macan into the phone and it auto corrected to bacon, auto corrected to bacon. So it is now forever the, the now, bacon. forevermore. It is the bacon, the bacon, <laughs> e- the bacon. <laughs> le bacon license hey, plate. License finish plate. up our ad. What kind of car do you think has bacon as the license plate? So it has to be, here's what I, lo- I want to think. Is
1: it's actually a pig farmer? And okay. so he has like a big truck and it just says bacon on the back. And then like, it also has a bumper sticker that says like sizzling or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just covered in grease. It <laughs> oh, smells 100%, horrible. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Just pig manure. Uh, anyways, Petrol Box. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com. And you can use the code
0: Overcrest, of course, at checkout. That gets you $6 off your first order. I imagine it may, I would like to think that it would be like an old Cadillac, like just the guys. Just, You're still on the bacon plate. I am on the bacon plate. It would be way better than 2018 Macan. It's if a it said bacon, whatever. Some new, it's a new thing. <laughs> I don't even care what year it is. They're all the same. To me. I still haven't gotten a custom plate for it. I, you won't have that thing long enough to be. You more. don't
1: think so? No, I like it. I just got a car wash again and I was like, man, this is a really
0: good looking car when it's clean. It is an acceptable looking vehicle for a new vehicle. It is, it passes what mustard. What does that mean? I will say that that car passes mustard. I, w- I would. I it's will past
1: mustard, not past Is mustard. Is it really? Oh,
0: past mustard, like you're going to be Are you kidding me? You thought it's like,
1: oh. oh, pass me the mustard, sir? No, I've never the thought The car about passes <laughs> me the mustard. Oh, it's probably Grey Poupon since it's a fancy I do, car. I, you are such an idiot right now.
0: <laughs> wow. I Shame on I you. I never thought about oh, it. I'm a writer, I'm a journalist. I Passing do know the know what mustard. It means. I do know what it means to muster your troops, so I do know uh-huh. the the etymology of it. I just didn't yeah, think of it. It passes of. the muster. Yes, it does. Okay, I get it. Yes, your your vehicle wow. passes the visual muster of a new vehicle. Passes the muster. That's what you do in the military. Oh my God! Could you also pass me the uh, the, the ketchup? Yes, yes <laughs> it does pass the ketchup.
1: All right. Well, before we get any further, how about we talk to Brenda Pretty? Brenda Pretty, so great to have you on the show here.
2: It is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: So, you are actually now retired from the spy photography biz, but you're still renowned as one of the most infamous. How did you get your start in automotive spy photography?
2: Well, first of all, retired makes it sound like I'm very, very old.
1: Well, you don't and, and sound old, so let's set this. <laughs> well, the... <thank> you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I got my start. Accidentally. Um, I was always a photographer uh, ever since I was a small child. I always had a camera with me. And I was married to a car guy that always would talk about the, the spy photos and the test cars that people would see around town. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and there's lots of hot weather test facilities here as well as proving grounds that the manufacturers own so it's not uncommon to see test cars on the roads here and you know we we used to like to like go through the magazines and see photos of test cars and then figure out where they were you know like this was taken at that restaurant we eat at at scottsdale so it was always kind of a fun thing to do but one day i was driving home um from an appointment and i had my two toddlers in the car and there was um some strange looking cars at the local grocery store. And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't, put it that way, I wasn't a car guy or a car gal at the time, but the cars jumped out at me because they had a bit of camouflage on them and there were a couple of them together. So you really couldn't miss them. So I went home, got my camera and went back and, and the cars turned out to be uh, the 1994 Mustang. And this was in the summer of 1992. So oh, wow. it was two years. Yeah, it was two years before the Mustang new body came out.
0: Well, I guess even and test drivers need to eat. So they're probably exactly. stopping at the store to get some food. I mean, they have to.
2: They have to eat and they have to fill up the gas tank or charge the cars these days, whatever. Um, so when my husband came home, you know, I, I took the photos because this was a long time ago to a one-hour lab. Came home, showed him the pictures. And he said, well, that's the next generation Mustang. It had very, very little camouflage on it, but enough to get your attention. And And when you say camouflage,
0: what do you mean? What were you seeing?
2: Well, this one had some black tape covering the Mustang, the actual horse on the front grill. And then it had a few little like black and white tape over the car to kind of cover some of the lines. And maybe a little bit of the headlamps were covered up with black and white tape so you couldn't make out the final shape.
0: Was that something that was fairly typical of camouflage back in the day? Because when you look at it now, everything is just this, it looks like some sort of, you know, Sharpie drawing where it's just like this (laughs) out of control (laughs) camouflage. Is that how most cars were back then for camouflage?
2: You know, the camouflage changes as it gets closer to the production date. So it was pretty surprising that this car didn't have a whole lot of camouflage on it two years ahead of time, Okay, but it was pretty common. So he called Automobile Magazine, which at the time was kind of like a a coffee table magazine compared to Road & Track and Motor Trend and Car & Driver of the day. And at first they said, you know, they're not interested. They have photos. And then he said, well, these are really good photos. And so they gave us their FedEx number, and we shipped the pictures off. And that, that was my beginning. I, I didn't hear anything from them. And about, I don't know, a month or two later, I phoned them. And they said, nobody called you. <laughs> and, and I said, no. And they said, well, you know, this is uh, the cover photo now for this November. Is...
0: Whoa. Yeah. I was just to say, this is back in the time when uh, it's uh, we're talking answering machines, right? It's not like you're, <laughs> someone's calling your cell phone and you get a notification that you've got a voicemail right away. They catch your That's answering good. machine. Maybe the tape was full. You don't know they you can't figure out why they didn't get a hold of you, but it ended up being the cover.
2: It was the cover. And, you know, at the time, Automobile had one big picture on the cover and then a little kind of postage stamp picture on the top kind of promoting what's inside and i said well is it the big photo or the little photo and they said it's the only photo wow <laughs> and um so you know not not knowing the industry when we first started um we were thinking that we would be happy if we got t-shirts for the whole family you know would went back be cool like t-shirts that say <laughs> automobile magazine so when they told me it was the cover photo and it's already basically been printed at that point I said, well, how much are you sending me? (laughs) And they said, well, you know, like, I don't know what they said, $800, $1,000. And I don't know where it came from, but I said, you know, it's the cover photo. This is what you're going to be selling the magazines by at the newsstand. I think it should be at least $2,500.
0: And by the way, you already did it. Yeah, it's not like they can (laughs) go back a
2: bit. (laughs) Exactly. And so they agreed to it, you know, they sent me a nice check and they sent t-shirts for the family. And, um, so that's how I got my start.
1: So from that time forward, then you kind of decided or realized maybe that, Hey, this is something I could actually do. So from happening upon, you know, a new prototype car, the Mustang and having a camera with you to being a full fledged automotive spy photographer, what, what does that consist of?
2: Um, it consists of luck. Which probably sounds crazy, but my home was in a newer area, and there was a um, a two and a half mile loop road around my neighborhood with no stop no stop signs, and it just turned out that that was the neighborhood that these engineers were testing the cars in.
0: Are we talking no stop signs like they use it as a racetrack? I mean, were they running through (laughs) here pretty quick?
2: No, it was only like a 25-mile-an-hour zone or 35-mile-an-hour zone. But it was just a loop road that they can continuously drive around and put on the miles at a consistent speed. So within the first few months, um, I shot so many cars circling my neighborhood. And then in my children's school, which was just a block away, I shot the Ford Mondeo, which was a European car. Um, and I just kept on shooting all these cars and then it. Took How did out- you figure
0: out what they were? If they're camouflaged, if they've got, you know, the badges are covered up and you're taking pictures of it. Are you kind of guessing or are you, or does it not matter at that point?
2: Well, you know, we do, I did try to always know what they were. The Mondeo was interesting because I sent the pictures to several magazines and nobody knew what it was because it was a European car. And, you know, without having the internet as it is today, even the people at the magazines weren't as familiar as, you know, what was happening in Europe at the time with the cars. So that one was a tough one to um, to identify. But most were kind of obvious.
0: I'm kind of imagining you with a ladder climbing up to your rooftop in your neighborhood <laughs> where all these cars are driving by with a 400-millimeter lens and maybe another camera <laughs> with a shorter lens. And you're just sitting up there with, like, lunch. You've got lunch sitting next to the side. You're just waiting for these cars to drive by. i Um, mean what was it like how did you where did you decide how did you decide where to go where were you going to try and capture this stuff
2: because it can't be all luck
0: a little luck but
2: oh gosh it was crazy um i did believe it or not one year corvette was testing at the local racetrack which is was close enough that i could hear the race cars okay (laughs) it was actually a long distance phone call but it was close enough that i could hear the race cars and it race. It was Bob Bondurant's racetrack, and it was on um, Indian Reservation, so you do have to be a little careful with the laws, because the laws are different than, say, the city laws, but they, and they, they were testing around the racetrack, and they covered up the chain link fence so you can see through it, and I actually did drive up on the edge of the road with a pickup truck and a ladder, and climbed the ladder, and shot over the fence. <laughs>
0: Were you ever told to leave? Were they ever said, "Hey, who are you? Get out of there"? Was there any ever any situations where you kind of got in trouble being somewhere you weren't supposed to be?
2: Personally, I've not gotten in trouble, but I've always been careful. Um, but even when I shot the Ford Mondeos, uh, it, it was very humorous. I mean, this again, this was back in '92, and the first thing they did is they were in my in my children's school parking lot, and they were reading the Sunday newspaper. And the cars were not heavily camouflaged. So they took the newspaper and they started trying to cover up the cars with the newspaper.
0: As you were taking pictures, they're just scrambling around with like, like what the classifieds.
2: Exactly. Um, And then, and then they drove off and I followed them. And then I wasn't really probably wise at the time, but I followed them on the freeway and got off behind them at an exit that was kind of deserted. And they did come up to my car and scream at me and yell at me and,
0: what were they upset about
2: oh that i wasn't allowed to take their pictures which of course isn't true i mean anything on the public roads um as long as you don't you know as as long as you're safe uh you don't disrupt anything you don't touch anything you can take photos um but, but they made a big deal that i was not allowed to take pictures and they knew how to find me and they knew my name and all this stuff
0: was okay. there anything, because we're talking about 90s, was there anything about you being a woman doing this at all? Were they upset about that? I mean, did they, you know, as male engineers, was there anything like that going on?
2: Um, probably. Plus, I always confused them because I usually had, you know, a, a baby and a toddler in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they didn't know what to do with it. Um, the, the first day that I decided to do this professionally was about a year and a half later, after the Mustang photo and after getting lots and lots of spy photos and i i just decided okay i'm gonna do this and i um took my my youngest to the babysitter my older one was in preschool and i drove to general motors proving grounds which was in mesa arizona and as soon as i pulled up to the proving grounds gate or near the gate i saw a vehicle coming out and it looked like it was a little bit camouflaged so i thought okay i'll just slow down. The speed limit was about 55, but I'm going to slow down and let this cart pull out and see where it's going. And I I had to get in front of it. I mean, I had to pass the gate before he came just because I was on the road, but he came behind me. And so I thought, well, again, I'm going to slow down a little bit and let it pass me so I can follow it because I don't want to be in the lead when I don't know where it's going. And it pulled into a convenience market. And the guy went in to get um, a hot dog. Apparently, his name was Tony, because while he was inside, I got out of my car, and I started taking pictures. And the door to the convenience market was open, and I hear the cashier say, Tony, somebody's taking pictures of your car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was um, a new blazer, and he um, literally ran out, ran up to my car, and then looked at the empty baby seat in the back seat and was like really confused. Like, <laughs> who is this lady with this baby seat taking pictures? And, I'm just imagining you know. a
0: hot dog on the ground at the convenience store <laughs> as he <comes laughs> flying out with his, his arm covered in mustard and onions.
2: I'll tell you one more story about the GM Proving Grounds. Years ago, I had always wanted to meet Jim Dunn. He, he's the father of spy photos, at least in this country. Uh, he passed away about a year and a half ago, but Jim and I had become very good friends. But I had never met him in person, and I had uh, a, a photographer working for me many, many years ago who was out by the GM Proving Grounds, and he called me and said, Jim Dunn is out here. And he told me his rental car, what Jim was wearing, basically his MO, you know, the way he was driving and stopping and looking around. And so I decided to go out there and try to meet Jim Dunn for the very first time. We had talked on the phone many times, but I had never met him in person. And for some reason, I'm not quite sure why, but I took the most likely, unlikely car in my garage, which was a bright red um, Pontiac Fiero, which is definitely something that stood out, you know. And um, so I drove out to Jim, and it was about 40 minutes away. And sure enough, I spot Jim Dunn right away. And he had just pulled off on the side of the road and he was getting out of his car to stretch. And he kind of a big guy, probably over six feet tall. And I'm, you know, five, three, five, four. But I pull up behind him and he sees a Pontiac and he's spying a GM. So he's positive that I'm GM security at that point.
0: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> GM security and Fiero.
2: <laughs> right, you never know. So I get out of the car and I try to act, Jim can act very tough, you know? And so I try to put on that kind of facade that I'm just, just tough. And I said, are you Jim Dunn? And he gets this real kind of aggressive look (laughs) and he starts to say something. And then I said, hi, I'm Brenda. And he, I, I extended my hand to shake his. And instead he gave me a great big hug. And just at the very same time, GM security drives by in a big SUV because they were actually watching Jim that whole time. (laughs) And and they were concerned about my safety. Like, (laughs) who's Jim Dunn hugging this stranger in the middle of the desert? And uh, so they pulled off and they said, ma'am, ma'am, are you okay? (laughs) So that's how I actually met Jim Dunn um, out in the desert by GM. So it uh, it had a lot of great memories while they were out there. Well, uh, The Proving Grounds was out here in uh, the Phoenix area.
1: So Brenda, I know as you kind of ramped up uh, your profession here, you actually had assistants working and you had this whole network. Do you have any interesting stories about working with these assistants?
2: Well, you know, I was very lucky. Um, I had an agency uh, in Europe that worked for me and they covered uh, all the high speed tracks. In, throughout Europe, um, I had people in Canada, people in Montana, Colorado, Michigan, um, California working for me. Uh, Hold on times. a second. What?
0: what <laughs> see, so Jake did all the research on this, so I I, okay. I know less. I know less <laughs> than he does. And I'm imagining um, this clandestine network of spies. Uh-huh. And I'm just I'm wondering why are they all working? Why are they all working for you? Like, what is it that? Um, about you and what you did that gave you access to have all of these people work for you and, and basically get all this stuff together. What was it about you?
2: Well, one thing is the adrenaline rush and that has nothing to do with me, but there's always such an adrenaline rush when you're shooting these type of photos. You know, it's, it's like being a spy, you know, you feel like you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, even though you're not breaking any laws. But I'd like to think that I treated them really well. You know, I like to think that I paid them the best in the industry, um, that I really, you know, took care of all their needs in, in that So did way. you have
0: like an agency, like a, an actual, like? I did. Okay, what What did it have, like an acronym or anything like that, like? Yeah, <laughs> <No>, you know. <laughs> I, um, MI5? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you know, my very first spy photo with automobile, they asked what kind of byline I wanted, and I, I, didn't want to, you know, forget that my kids were in the car with me and that my husband helped me. And I thought like Brenda pretty and family or Brenda pretty and kids kind of sounded crazy and silly. So I went by Brenda pretty and company. And that just kind of lasted the whole time I was doing spy photos. And so I, I felt that it covered everybody that was, you know, that, that helped me out. Um, And the other thing I did for my photographers, which is very unusual, is if they did want a byline, um, I would give them a byline as well. So it would have their name for Brenda Pretty and Company.
0: Yeah, that's that's always good to have. Recognition is always important.
2: Yeah. So, you know, whatever, you know, some people like to remain anonymous for obvious reasons. And um, some people you say anonymous reasons
0: because like. I've seen, especially lately with social media and everything like that, someone will get a photo, they'll post it up on social media. And I've talked off the record with people mm-hmm. that have done um, photos of BMWs in the factory like an employee took the picture. Now, uh-huh. these aren't in public. Okay. So that's a little bit different, right? Photos aren't taken in public. They're taken inside, inside the warehouse or the factory where these cars are being built. So there's a little bit of a different recourse for the manufacturer. But right. these people that repost or do anything with these uh, images get swift- and uh aggressive action from manufacturers so social media has definitely changed the game (laughs) yes yeah it's it's you're you're it's a little bit uh it's more sleazy i guess i would say because you're 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 in a private place
2: see i would never ever accept photos that were inside photos and they were offered to me many times by employees or by delivery companies you know um, car carriers or whatever um and I was very careful. Um, if somebody offered me a photo and I didn't know the person, uh, even before I looked at the picture, I would ask where it was taken. And it was not I wasn't asking because I wanted to rush out there and take it myself. I wanted to make sure that it was the legitimate photo, that it wasn't taken inside a factory um, by people that work there. And the FBI in the past has actually gotten involved in cases, you know, inside photos like that.
0: Because it's intellectual um, property at that point. it, it yeah, is still it's yeah. it's not in the public in the public uh, forum yet
2: right. and and the other thing I wouldn't do, and I know some spy photographers do it, but I don't believe in using um, drone photography over the proving grounds. You know, I feel that's private property, and if you can't see it from the road, you know with the camera, then it's not right to fly over their private private property and and shoot it that way.
0: So is um, there is there like a value or like a monetary? Because you you have someone like automobile, road and track stuff like that. They're never going to post something that was obtained um, in such a shady way, whether it's yes, you know factory or whatever. They, they do. They have. They have. Okay, yeah. so let's say that they have. Is there <laughs> is there a, <laughs> is there a fiscal bonus if you get those photos? Like if you're the no, guy that gets the all. photo inside, is it worth more money or anything like that?
2: Oh, I I don't think so. Um, no, I, I don't think it ever would be. Okay. And like I said, I wouldn't touch anything like that as it is. I just so, figure um, the
0: person that's doing, you know, it's always about being first, right? It's always about being first to press, first to first to right. see, first to whatever.
2: Um, pretty much the pay was pretty standard. Um, so it didn't matter if you were the first or if it was three months later but, or four months later and they still wanted to run the photo. Uh, the pay would still be the same, at least at the time. And there was one car that for some reason... Um, I sold for 18 straight months a, a photo, like for 18 months, there would be photos of this published somewhere around the globe. I had a photo that was published for 18 straight months in, pub- in, in print publications. And I, I, to this day, I could never figure out why. And it wasn't even a sports car or anything real exciting. It was um, an Isuzu Amigo okay Okay. (laughs) and i found it in a hotel parking lot because again when the guys are or the guys or the gals out testing um you know they stayed hotels as they're traveling across the country right and so i found this amigo at a hotel parking lot i saw it at night went back early in the morning photographed it park photographed it on the road photographed it stopping for gas and for eighteen straight months, photos of this Amiga were published somewhere. Um, so,
1: so speaking of that, what what are some of the most the best photos that you're able to capture in your own, I guess, in your own mind? What are some of your greatest hits?
2: You know, I shot so many that without like pulling out magazines, um, sometimes it's hard to remember. You know, because almost from every manufacturer, we shot something. One of the biggest selling photos, and this was taken by a a guy that worked for me, was um, Barack Obama's presidential limousine. The Beast. The Beast. While that was being tested. And, um, (laughs) you know, we shot that. um, It it was in Colorado. They were doing high elevation testing. And... um, Those pictures sold around the globe. Well, most of the pictures would sell around the globe. But this one also sold to television networks, um, you know, for their nightly news broadcast. Right. So it just kept on selling and selling. Um, Corvette photos would sell like that as well, Um, you know, on the news. Um, Imagine
0: what the new Corvette, when they went to mid-engine, All of of that stuff must have been wild for everybody to try and get. You
2: know, it was, but they did it, they tested it for so many years. You know, it was out there for so long. (laughs) Uh,
0: So it really wasn't a secret. Um, I'm kind of wondering how much, uh, how much of, Getting in front of a spy photographer is accident by a manufacturer, and if there's any of it that's used as kind of uh, free PR, free PR marketing, <laughs> like, oh, we, we, you know, we're going to take a little bit of this camouflage off now, so that the well, they
2: do that. They do that in in the plan. Um, you know, the, the engineers when they're out testing, they're told, don't let anybody get photos of this vehicle, and of course, that's impossible. You know, and the engineers really don't have any control. But the PR department loves it, and there's a point, you know, in, in near as you near production, that different levels of camouflage are coming off. But the but the PR guys love seeing the camouflage coming off, and they love seeing the pictures. And there was um, one Corvette. Uh, gosh, I think it was two generations ago, maybe that um, they were filming a commercial for the Super Bowl in San Francisco. And so the cars were not camouflaged. And there was a guy that just kind of um, wandered to uh, the Starbucks after a hangover for some coffee in the morning and he saw Corvette. I wasn't gonna say, I promise, <laughs> I promise I wasn't gonna say. Um, but he he took some photos, or no, he didn't take photos of it. He went to Starbucks, noticed it, didn't think much of it, but he knew you know it was the next Corvette. And then when he left starbucks it was still there so he went home and from his apartment he was able to take pictures of it uh, as they were prepping it for the commercial so we had these corvette photos that you know we we had a scoop before the super bowl commercial and of course the advertising agencies that had control of the cars at the moment were very upset about this right Um, And they wanted to know exactly what time of day the photo was taken because they wanted to know who was responsible.
0: Yeah, who needed coffee, of all things?
2: (laughs) I know. Uh, But the PR department, literally, when I saw them at the Detroit Auto Show when the car was introduced, um, a handler for the chief engineer took me straight to him. He wanted to thank me. For the millions of dollars of free advertising.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, He
2: gave me a model car. He autographed it for me. um, And he couldn't thank me enough. So, you know, it just depends who has the cars when we shoot them.
0: Well, there's a whole Um, different way of marketing in terms of advertising. You have organic stuff, which is stuff that's written mm-hmm. or um, written by a writer or photographed by you. And then you have the official stuff, which is, you know, they take out a full page ad or it's in, on a Super Bowl commercial, stuff like that. And right. I th- and I think that the organic stuff is worth a lot more to them you know, than, than the official stuff.
2: It definitely can be. Um, and, you know, for the organic stuff, I remember going the bookstores when magazines would always have spy photos they really don't have spy photos in them anymore um but you know when i was doing this they would all have news sections with pages of spy photos and i would just kind of snoop around at the bookstore and watch people pick up the car magazines and the first thing they would look for are the spy photos in the news section
1: so you're sitting there spying on people looking at spy photos (laughs)
2: <laughs> exactly. <all the> time. <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of spying, too, this was uh, another time that I, it was just so funny. In the day of pay phones, you know, before cell phones, um, we we often follow um, car carriers in places like Death Valley and, and other places where we know that they're probably carrying test cars. And so I follow the car carrier into this hotel, the little motel in a little town called Beatty, Nevada, um, which is kind of um, outside of Death Valley National Park, where they do a lot of hot weather testing. And the engineer or the the truck driver went to a payphone and was calling whoever. And I went to the payphone next to him so I could eavesdrop because, you know, they, the phones weren't enclosed. You know, they were just a bank of phones. And so he's telling his boss that such and such a car broke down, and it was in Las Vegas, and what hotel parking garage it was in. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I was only two hours from Vegas, but I also had people in Vegas. Um, and, you know, I instantly sent somebody to this garage, and I said, this car will only be here until, you know, 5 o'clock. So <laughs> this is what what you need to shoot, and this is the the parking spot that's in. And so you do a lot of listening, and and you pay a lot of attention to things that are happening around you.
1: So back to the camouflage that they use. What is some of the most elaborate, I guess, crazy camouflage that you've seen? Because I've heard stories of them making it look like a completely different vehicle, or like sedans that they'll
0: bulk up and make look like vans. Or half the time, to me, <laughs> it just looks like they cut a bunch of holes in tarps and like exactly. riveted them to the car. And they. Just... <laughs> You know?
2: Well, you, you know, some of the best, some of the best isn't the most obvious. Um, my favorite, when GM was introducing their express vans a long time ago, they had two test vehicles, both in Arizona and then they also took them to Duck Valley. And one was kind of outfitted like an airport shuttle. It had a little, you know, signage on it that said airport shuttle. Um had a window sticker in the window as a fake one implying that it was just bought Um, and then the one next to it was camouflaged as a um, I think it was a plumbing company and they had some ladders on top and you know a fake plumbing company name on the side door painted. And that was great because who would have known that those were, were test cars and they weren't out yet?
0: Anybody wow. in the mafia that was looking for the FBI surveilling their business? <laughs> that, I mean, that's the, that's the one that I would think would be noticing. That and, <laughs> that and you, I think, are the only ones. Well,
1: I like there. that, just hiding in plain plain sight
0: there.
2: You know, that's the best because when they do the black and white camouflage, you can literally see it way down the road. You know? Right, you know it's um, there, you know it's coming. Yeah. So I'm trying to think uh, if it was Mercedes or Volkswagen. It was um, Volkswagen when they first came out with their SUV. They put a Mercedes body on it on on the, you know. Wow!
0: So that was the Torig probably.
2: Um. Or
0: the Tiguan, or the Tiguan, one of the two.
2: Whatever their first one was. Yeah, I that's think. the Touring. Yeah. Because it was wow. you know a long time ago, and um. So, you know, we're looking at this Mercedes test car and it's like, it just doesn't quite look right. And then, you know, we don't touch the vehicles. That was a big thing. We would never touch them. But, you know, I wasn't beyond measuring them or getting <laughs> on the ground and looking underneath. <laughs> and when you got under, underneath this this car, you could definitely see that it was the Volkswagen. And uh, it it was actually kind of funny because at the time, the person that was assisting me um, worked at a Volkswagen dealership. And so he was almost a Volkswagen expert. And um, he's like, oh, I know what this is.
1: (laughs) Wow. So speaking of your assistants, I know I read a story at least of when one Uh of your assistants got into a precarious scenario, uh, quote, looking for his cat.
2: Oh, his cat, Ginger.
1: (laughs) Can you tell us this story?
2: You know, again, we don't touch things. We don't trespass and all this stuff. But he decided to climb a chain link fence that was surrounding a gas station, which was being used to house some test cars. And, you know, I was pretty apprehensive, but and i did not go along with it but you know he didn't listen to me and he climbed the fence and we were just in this little town again we were in in Beatty, nevada and um he climbs the fence and right across the street was a sheriff and suddenly the lights go on oh no And I thought, oh no, Michael's going, oh, did I just say his name? Anyway, right now, Michael's going to jail. (laughs) And um, it it turned out.
0: Are you in the getaway car (laughs) nearby?
2: Um, I was actually on foot. uh, And the sheriff was actually at the hotel, the motel that I was staying at. So it was just one of those, you know, small town, one one stop sign, little area. But um, I'm on foot and it's dark and they never saw me. But the Do you dress for the occasion?
0: Them- Were you all in black with black sneakers? and
2: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, they went over to talk to Michael, you know, hands up and all this stuff. And Michael said, I was just traveling from Phoenix with my cat, Ginger, and she jumped out. And I, I can't find her. So the sheriff is on the ground looking under these test
0: cars <laughs> with Michael.
2: For this non existent cat,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and he's like, All I wanted to do is take his picture, so I let him out of the car, and now he's gone
2: (laughs) exactly, you know, at night, no less. But yeah, yeah.
1: so how did that end? I mean, that finally was he like, Thanks for helping me look, we'll give up. Poor Ginger, poor Ginger's gone, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's like, Well, you know maybe he, he you know he's not under the cars maybe he's behind the gas station and you know just be careful
0: maybe he's um, in this test corvette right yeah will you open this let's up let's open the
2: <laughs> exactly you just never know i imagine you um,
1: standing in the dark hearing this and trying not to laugh your ass off as oh, he's talking oh, no. about I, his cat
2: Actually, I didn't hear it, but I was terrified because I really thought he was going to go to jail. You probably couldn't hear him
0: because your night vision goggles that you had uh, (laughs) on were over your ears. ears. Yeah, you just had to watch.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but, um, or, or, yeah, We, we were actually probably coming from the bar across the street where all the test engineers hang out, um especially german ones and that was where we would get a lot of information as well
0: Were was there ever any like in the bar that any hair flipping with uh you know <laughs> being a female in the industry you walk in and say so where's this test car hair flip anything like that oh
2: no 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 they would give me um, really dirty looks when they would see me if they recognized me oh they, me. they oh,
0: knew, they you. knew you. yeah you were notorious at that point
2: but you know it, but some of the engineers i actually became good friends with or acquaintances with you know um Take, take a, a company hypothetically hypothet- like Honda. There might be a group from Honda that, that drove recklessly and tried to run me off the road. And I had to call somebody high up at Honda several times to formalize complaints and maybe even, you know, file police reports on their driving. And then there might be other groups from the same company that I would eat dinner with and right. they would want to take pictures that they would see me somewhere. So, yeah, I guess it just depends, you know.
0: Um, I'm imagining it's – I know, I'm, keep making these these parallels to the to the intelligence world, but even these guys that are in the intelligence world and they have – you know, there's other spies and there's other enemies of the state, blah, blah, blah. You still have to have relationships with these people. You know, for information to pass back and forth, you still have to have relationships with these other countries
1: Definitely. or other and companies,
0: you know, you know, you know as, as, as it yeah. would be well, with Well,
1: you. you know what I'm curious? You know, the saying the enemy of the enemy is my friend – Did you ever get cozy with, say, GM because they wanted to learn about, you know, what Ford's (laughs) doing over across the table?
2: No, but I would call one company to ask what the other company was doing because they had all that information.
0: Right. And they're happy to give it away. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. Um, So I think it's just such a crazy business. Um, Has it changed a lot
1: since that kind of heyday?
2: It really has. it's not nearly, I don't think it's is nearly profitable. I mean, today, I don't think I could have a whole string of freelancers around the globe and still pay them what I was paying them.
0: That's because everybody's got um, a camera in their phone in their pocket, you know, it's. Edit. Yeah,
2: you know, everybody, everybody thinks that they're a spy photographer and the publications, you know, first of all, a lot of the print publications aren't running spy photos. And that was a big part of it. And then the websites, you know, they, they would prefer to get things for free for the most part. Oh yeah. Than to pay a <laughs> and people would
0: and people would love to get things give things away for free because they want the byline. Exactly. Line. Yeah, it's it's exactly. tough. Exactly. I'm, I'm a photographer, so I work for okay. a bunch of different magazine yeah. publications and stuff. I'm like a writer. I usually write my own articles. And I've found that, you know, you look at uh, you know, Jalopnik, for example, you know, the pay for I can only imagine I mean I've written some longer articles and the pay for that isn't even very good. So I imagine getting hundred or $200 for a spy shot would be really good based on what I've been paid for other things. The the, the budget just isn't there because there's so many people that just, they want to be, you know, they want the likes, they want the notoriety. The currency now is social media instead of dollars.
2: Exactly. And uh, so it's, it's very, very different.
0: I think the, if I was going to be a spy photographer now, I would just mm-hmm. pretty much hang out wherever Elon Musk is hanging. <laughs> I think I think it would be it would be a, a cross between trying to figure out what Tesla's doing, trying to get a picture uh-huh. of this roadster that they supposedly have and are coming. I was gonna say, I with. think
1: they're over, even their own
0: engineers are trying to figure out what Tesla's doing. Yeah. I mean they they <laughs> have their sure. own spota- spy photographers so they can figure out what they're doing for sure. And then maybe getting a couple of pictures of Elon saying something stupid would be would be would be the ideal. The big seller. <laughs> I think that would be really interesting because it, it, Tesla is really the only mysterious company left, right? We don't really know what they're doing because Elon Musk is is crazy, right? He's an actual crazy person. Yeah. And yeah, it's that's... the only mysterious company left.
2: Mm-hmm. But then once you get the photo, then what? You know, that's that's one picture and then –
0: and you've your spent you spent $1,000 staying at a hotel, sitting on gas. You've, you've been through at least $400 of Starbucks coffee. You've got 500 <laughs> McDonald's wrappers in the backseat of your car because you haven't left it. You've, you've barely yeah. sponge bathed in like two weeks because you're just trying to catch the, the cyber. You
2: truck. were following me. We're in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is this a day in the That's life? That's how I know you were dressed in black and had night vision goggles. <laughs> I know everything.
2: I, I will say that only once I drove away with the uh, gas filler in my car. Um,
0: <laughs> I will admit that I have done that. I have Gosh, ripped, you know, I I have ripped the gas um, filler off the machine as I was leaving once. Well, I that's what that. it's designed uh, to and do. And I just kept driving away. I, well, I this drove away. Well, did not
2: damage it, but boy, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was one again, not that one was of my the,
0: brightest moments.
2: That was the best place. One of the best places to get cars, though, was gas stations and drive throughs at fast food restaurants.
0: Well, everybody, cars and people, both need to be fueled up.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Brenda. What, uh, what are you up to nowadays? Cause I know you said you stopped or you moved on from the spy photography business.
2: You know, I, um, do a lot of classic car photos, kind of fine art stuff. Um, and so I sell fine art photos and, um, you know, I concourse type things. Um, and I also, I haven't been able to do this in, a, in several months, obviously, because of COVID-19 and, yeah, and other restrictions. <laughs> but um, but I also take people on classic car tours to, to Cuba.
0: Oh, wow. I, I've yeah. been to Cuba.
2: It so is awesome. I.
0: It is absolutely incredible, the cars. And you know what I think is really interesting is no matter what kind of place you're in, there's a car enthusiast there. Like there's these super oh, there shitty Russian ladas that are there, but they're like all <laughs> decked. They're all decked out and painted, and and none of the the mods aren't good or expensive or anything like that. But I can still tell that that person absolutely loves that car. I don't love their taste, but they love. Right. Their but car. you love that they love it. I love that they love but it, and it, it's it's really have so cool. So
2: much pride.
0: Yeah, it's it's awesome. I love the car culture when I was there, especially when you look uh, at like a a dayu. There it would cost like
2: uh-huh.
0: it would cost us eight thousand dollars but there it's like a thirty thousand dollar car
2: oh it is people don't believe that but it is
0: it is so Um, expensive to own a car
2: you know the taxes that that the cuban government puts on the the new cars is just ridiculous and so yeah it more than doubles the price of the car
0: if someone wants to get to cuba how do you do it now because when i went you had to i was on a on a i was actually doing work i was on a cruise ship Mm -hmm. doing event photography and we had mm-hmm. like this thing where we could go to Cuba, so that's how you could get in with your, you know, your day visa trip to go to Cuba. And yeah, I no, think...
2: cu- no cruise ships anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah,
0: you're not doing that. I know. I mean, you can. Well, even right, but...
2: even before even before COVID, um, the our government stopped the cruise ships going to Cuba.
0: So how so, do you get um, there now? What is there a way?
2: Yeah, there is. Uh, you could go with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Where can people think, find out
0: more about that because i think it's really interesting
2: well yeah and, and i do go legally um i i usually catch a flight out of florida uh that flights were were stalled obviously for many many months um and it's still not a comfortable time yet for me at least to get on an airplane and, and to go to cuba uh but we do go legally uh we go um kind of in a program that involves helping the cuban people so we bring things to help them. And some of the things may be car parts and, and other things that our friends in Cuba or the National Car Museum, their needs. Uh, but we do bring, we bring medicines, we bring clothing and stuff. Um,
0: have you ever seen a, then, a Porsche in Cuba? Like an old uh, 356 or something just old? Obviously nothing no, new is gonna be there.
2: But we have found um, an old vet, which was really exciting. And there is a gullwing that I haven't seen in person, but I know where it is. And so, you know, Mercedes gullwing. I feel so like I
1: read a story about
0: list. that. It's like out in the jungle somewhere.
2: Well, they claim it's out in the jungle. It's just in somebody's backyard.
0: <laughs> well, I would I would love to write a story about that. So if you ever want a writer to come with you and investigate okay. that story, I'm a, I'm a pretty decent writer.
2: Definitely. Yeah. You know, most people can, can start getting in touch with me. I have a, a Facebook page that's Brenda Pretty and company.
0: We will link all um, of this in the show notes. So if anybody wants to uh, see what she's up to, it'll be in the show notes. You can just click right on that on yeah. the podcast.
2: Or there's an Instagram Brenda Pretty, and either way, uh, Instagram, I don't see my messages quite as easily, but um, cause I don't look, <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of people contact me through Facebook and, and things like that.
1: Well, Brenda, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been a fun time getting to know all your stories. Yeah, thanks for hanging a out with us. A day in the life.
2: Okay, well, it's my pleasure. And if you have any more questions, just give me a call.
1: Will do. Thanks, Brenda.
2: Okay, thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: I want to go with Brenda to Cuba. Now I do, too. Let's go. That's, That's really, really, really cool. That. So I, I really do imagine that this is... Maybe I'm romanticizing a little bit with all this clandestine stuff. <laughs> but I imagine you have to, you know, if there's someone going to run her off the road or you're yeah. going to get yelled at, um, especially back in the 90s when, you know, the guys are, nobody's really doing this That back then because yeah. it's it's hard. You're shooting film, number one, mm-hmm. so you actually have to know what you're doing. You can't just shoot 9,000 frames per second at different bracketed uh <laughs> a different bracketed exposures and then you know pull something out of your butt you know, <laughs> and and turn it in. That, you there's had no to... internet, you can't be on social media, you know, trying to get different leads on things. No, you you actually have to beat feet yourself. I was exactly. actually I forgot to ask her. I mean, I imagine in some of these towns, she's got a guy at yeah. the gas station yep. named Bob. And, and Bob But also knows know. Tony, the hot dog guy. Oh, yeah, yeah for so, sure. So he's working both <laughs> sides of it. He's telling Bob, hey, Tony, Brenda's out there. But like two hours earlier, he was like, Hey, Brenda, that guy with that, you know, that That blazer, that that blazer or whatever it is, he's gonna be here later. This is where he's getting. He had six hot dogs yesterday. He's gonna (laughs) be back for more today. As soon as when Bob goes in there to get the hot dog, he's like,
1: ah er, Brenda, he's
0: He's just playing both sides of the game. Oh, I'm sure. I imagine there's a little bit of that. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, before we go, we have to talk about
1: our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk Car Care is is your source for professional detailing compounds and supplies that is research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys that are passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a good product. They truly are great products. I love it. It's simple, foolproof, two-step process, easy, and gives amazing finish. And right now, they're offering a whopping 20% off your next order online when you use the code Overcaress. Now, that code is good not only at over over car com, but also on detailed image.com and car supplies, Go check them out today.
0: So let's, uh let's do, have you, you have not been to Cuba. I have not been to Cuba. It is, it is really, really cool. We probably, we talked about We this. have talked about it. What yeah. I love is, I mean, they, they can't get a lot of
1: parts to repair and, maintain their cars. So you'll see these backyard mechanics taking, like, boat engines and putting yeah. them in their old Ford or yeah. something to that effect. Yeah. And it's just – it's kind of cool, like, this
0: grassroots approach. To I think the, I the think you enthusiast. and I should go to Cuba. Okay. We'll bring a film guy with us. Okay. And we'll do, like, a thing about car enthusiasts in Cuba. That would be I cool. I would really, really love to do that. It was a really uh, – it was a great place. I'm sure there's areas of Cuba where you don't want to be. Yeah. But in general, during the daytime anyway – It was the architecture was beautiful. It's a time capsule. It's been completely because it's been sealed off since the '60s. Nothing's been updated. Um, There is a lot of poverty. I mean, you can be kind of shocked by that. But well, that's what I like. What Brenda mentioned is she's kind of doing it as a way to also help the people. Yeah, especially I would love to help some car enthusiasts and bring some parts over and. And like, if there's a guy that needs something fixed, I, I'd love to bring it and help him fix it. That right. would be awesome. Yeah. So if you're listening in Cuba, do we have any listeners in Cuba? I, we'll have to check the stats. Yeah, we'll have to check the <laughs> stats and see how it goes. Anyway, we will see you guys on Friday. Take care.